The following segment contains strong language. Listener discretion is advised. Good afternoon and welcome to Citizen K, a weekly current affairs program featuring in-depth interviews and perspectives. I'm Kareem Mosna. This week on Citizen K. The first graves were identified at Kamloops and I wasn't sure how to express that through, I'm a sculptor, but I wasn't sure how to address that through sculpture without being really confrontational. So this medium lends itself to being non-confrontational, right? You can't get pissed off at me if it's, if it's yarn, right? Métis site-specific artist Tracy May Chambers continues to bring her hashtag Hope and Healing Canada installation across Canada. She was here in Kingston this past Thursday at St. Lawrence College, and it can now be viewed just outside St. Lawrence College. Just look up at the trees. Tracy May Chambers, here's my conversation with her. It got pretty deep. Hope and Healing Canada. So this is the name of the installation that we're, we're standing right in Every front of. Has the same name, yeah. which is the okay. hashtag, purposely. Yes, I was going to ask, exactly, the hashtag, is, is there something there with that? Yes. Absolutely, I don't have okay. to put a capital C on Canada. So, yeah, it, there's no capitals in hashtags. And that way I don't have to make Canada something that I don't think it is. So I, I, I do that, pur- it's purposeful. So, yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, no C, capital C. Okay. Um, so I, I know that the, the message here is to do with decolonization and also to reflect on Truth and Reconciliation Day, which is only a couple weeks out. Yeah. Uh, but tell me a little bit more about uh, what, what kind of led you to, to starting this, this piece in the beginning. Um, at the beginning, I was trying to figure out how to express how I was feeling about, you know, being sequestered at home during COVID, which I'm sure you were dealing with as well, everyone was. But the first children were, um, the first graves were identified at Kamloops, and I wasn't sure how to express that through, I'm a sculptor, but I wasn't sure how to address that through sculpture without being really confrontational. So this medium lends itself to being non-confrontational, right? You can't get pissed off at me if it's, if it's yarn, right? So yarn was the right was the right choice, and red was the right color because of what it represents. You know, it, it's a powerful color. Um, so that's that's why I chose red. So I I was thinking about connection, and that Canadians or settlers were quite surprised by the fact that there were graves at these places, which really was stunning to me because all of those communities knew they were there. Like the the indigenous communities knew that they were there. Um, and that they were undocumented. So, and and not, I mean, there's not even markers at a lot of these graves. That's, that's horrific. Um, and families don't know where their children were buried. And it just is horrific to me. So, there didn't seem to be a connection. And if I pass you a piece of string, and you hold one end, and I hold the other end, it, there's a connection, right? But if I cut that string, or any of the strings that are in this installation what happens it falls apart right and a community is built upon us all working together and that is i guess me lacing my fingers fingers together on the radio doesn't really (laughs) give much help but that's what i'm doing in case you were wondering i'm lacing my fingers together and when we do that it becomes unbreakable when you i can't rip your shirt 
on my own, right? I can't physically do that because the material is so strong because it's interlaced mm -hmm. threads, right? One single thread is not strong, but when they're when they're sewn together, they are, right? And as a community, that's what we need to to do is is communicate and have some connection between us, right? Like between your community and my community, mm -hmm. between settler communities and your community, mm -hmm. right? Like that there needs to be connections between that, but there isn't, right? A lot of times there isn't, and there needs to be. You know, I, I'm just finding it fascinating how you, you reflect on such tragic events and yet create create something uh, of beauty out of it. And and isn't the beauty the the long term goal, which is connection? Mm -hmm. So if you can't don't we we have to find some sort of positive or we we wouldn't go on right yeah. like mankind wouldn't go on because we would just be <laughs> you know we we couldn't we physically couldn't go on if we didn't have some sort of hope that things were going to get better and that we were working towards most of us are working towards something better right so that's that's what i i want to work towards is that well right. I guess that ties directly into the name of the piece yeah. hope and healing yeah yeah and without hope you can't heal right you just stay in that same cycle of of pain but if you are hopeful yes you still have the pain but but you can move forward right mm -hmm. yeah as far as I'm concerned anyways yeah oh, beautiful and with uh, Truth and Reconciliation Day coming up, is there something that you know perhaps you'll be reflecting on, or you encourage others to think about on that day? I think I always, when I'm creating, I'm always thinking about how spaces can be torn down and built back up again. Just like sometimes we we lose a friend because we have a fight, right? But that doesn't mean that it's not fixable, right? We can fix that, or we don't want to talk to our mother anymore, and we were pissed off at our mother, and we don't want to for our mother anymore but it's still fixable right if we both work together we can figure it out right it's painful and it might be uncomfortable it's necessary right it's necessary and I think that's what I, I, I will be focusing on and I hope Canadians are focusing on and the Prime Minister is focusing on and not at a beach somewhere that it's this, it's an important day it's not a celebration it is a day for reflection and figure out how we can move forward together. Yeah, and it's not just words. That's another thing. It isn't just words. It can't be just words. You can't say we're not going to be racist and then be racist, right? You actually the words are nothing. They're just nothing. The actions are what's important. And you know that firsthand. The actions are what's important. The words are absolutely meaningless unless there's action. Right? Right. Yeah. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. And so, I mean, you're... Sorry. This has been going up all over Canada, as far as I'm, I understand. Yeah, so this is the 108th mm -hmm. since uh, July 21st, 2021. When, when you put something like this together, you know, are you perhaps working through some of your own um, you know, things that might hit close to home for you as well? I think certainly, because I was adopted out of my family, mm -hmm. right, and adopted by a Scottish family. Um, yes, I would have lost all of my culture, right, and didn't, and wasn't able to gain that back again until much later in my life. So yes, I'm always thinking about that, my own separation to my own culture, 
um, which is difficult for anyone, no matter what culture they're in. It's difficult mm-hmm. to be away from home, to be away from your parents in another country, to be away from, it doesn't matter, it's all difficult. So yes, I definitely, it definitely comes out in the work. And it comes out in the work in another way because I've been, I've worked at residential schools, like I've done work in. And so, I mean, that's coming into my mind when I'm working as well, is how it felt to be in that space, which is highly unpleasant, right? So, mm-hmm. and and so incredibly sad. So yes, it's my own feelings are most certainly coming into it. When you say you worked at a residential school in terms of installations yes, or... In, of course. Okay. I'm sorry. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So smart. Um, how would I... Um, I've created in those spaces. Is that a better way to say that? Yeah. Makes sense. So I've created in residential schools. Therefore, I, you know, the, I, I can remember how I felt in those spaces and and how I felt about it. And how so, would you describe that feeling, uh, if you could? Hopeless. It's not horrible. It's, it was hopeless. It, it was the okay. Uh, Ryerson, you know who that was, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. So he. Uh, at Black Creek Pioneer Village, there's a schoolhouse there that was the template for residential schools. So he created a, a, a schematic. I don't know what that is when you're build, making a building, but he created this, and then they built this building. So I was in that building to create, and as I was working from the back to the front, I realized how little the chairs got. So there are these little tiny chairs, and you realize that it's little tiny people that are in those little tiny chairs, mm-hmm. but they're not at home and they're not there by choice. So it was the chairs. I know that sounds ridiculously stupid, but it was, the, the, and I lost my shit <laughs> because I was so upset because I realized if someone took my five-year-old, I don't have a five-year-old anymore, but when I, when I had little people and they just came and took my child, how would I feel? Like, how would that feel? And it was, and then I, yeah, I had a really hard time working there because that's what I was thinking is how little this, the chair is. You know, usually a chair shouldn't set you off, but it set me off because I realized how little it was. Yeah. And this Pioneer Village, where is this located? Just curious. Uh, here in Toronto. Toronto, okay. Or it's not here in Toronto. <clears throat> in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Black Creek Pioneer Village. Okay. So, yes, that's, um, yeah, it's, it it's just is what it is, right? Okay. So you've got to keep moving forward right for sure yeah. thank you very much for uh, for having this discussion today my conversation with metis artist tracy may chambers here on citizen k i will also share that when the mic was turned off tracy may and i had a most insightful conversation about journalism and humanity while i was at saint lawrence i also spoke with saint lawrence college knowledge keeper helena nevu about what the exhibit will mean for the campus community and the upcoming Truth and Reconciliation Day. This is certainly a huge for St. Lawrence. Um, just any comments on, on how the installation came to be here at St. Lawrence? I sure can. So our curator, who's Heather Savage, and she works out of the Marianne Van Siltooth Gallery, she had invited uh, Tracy uh, on this um, she, like she wanted to, to bring it to the college and I just happened to have 
a way of getting it here through the fund for the truth and reconciliation. And so we married those two ideas because uh, this is what this is about. It's about talking about uh, truth and reconciliation, about decolonization, about the ownership of what people feel they have in atonement. And so this uh, art exhibit will bring up this conversation for students, not only students, but for community and for family to come and to talk about this circle. So that's what the circles are talking about as the story that everybody has. And the story is, uh, you know, ongoing. It's continual. Sometimes people say the story has ended. Uh, it can be an empty story yet created. Uh, these, the yarn in between is all about the uh, colonization that holds it all together in which we're trying to uh, dismantle. And so that's what we call it decolonization. Excellent. Now, in terms of, you know, maybe getting students and faculty here on campus, is this something that's going to be promoted around the school to come in and have a look at this exhibit? Yes, everybody is welcome to come, and this is what the information is we're trying to get out. That today the erection of the art display comes, and then from today it'll stay out for two months, and students are uh, encouraged to come with their, like teachers are encouraged to bring the whole class out here. Take a look at it have the conversation about uh, reconciliation. Mm -hmm. And so on September 30th is Truth and Reconciliation Day, as you know, which is also on Shirt Day. And so um, this is what this is leading up to and why uh, we wanted to have Tracy here and her wonderful exhibit to start that conversation about how we can, uh, you know, talk about uh, reconciliation this uh, you know, what it means is to repair damage between two parties, right? And so in the education system, we, in Native education, really want to get that across in our circles. And so that's what the circle uh, also component of, is about the art exhibit, is the circle. Are, are, are we doing enough in, the, in education right now to, to talk about, uh, about this? Well, it certainly is on the rise. Uh, it's, um, you know, I don't want people to just think, oh, it's a mandate here, we're just going to do it. Because in belonging and diversity and equity and, and equality, because that's what the circle brings is equality, that everybody has a voice, uh, good and bad, right? We, ha- we hear things in the circle maybe we don't like. Uh, there could be things in the circle that we do like. So, yeah, are we, are we doing more? Yes, absolutely, we're doing more. Is there ever... A- ever enough is there ever enough of anything right we could always say we need more but it takes time and uh it takes the conversation because that's always the first part about it to just for talking and to open up the conversation because how can you heal from something if you don't talk about it very true now so this will be on display right till the end of october if i'm not mistaken yes, october 30th and then we'll take it down and we'll send it back to Tracy. And she has um, galleries all over the place. She, she's traveling um, across Canada. She will also have a conversation collectively, virtually, um, <clears throat> for people who want to attend to, to, talk about, um, to talk about the art exhibit collectively because we do have things collectively, like social, uh, you know, culture and, um, you know, the circle. And even though we think differently, there, there are collectives, um, you know, that we need to learn about how to heal. Excellent. Yes, I, I definitely can see how something 
a piece like this, I mean, art sparks discussion. And certainly this, uh, given what we're seeing, and I mean, just uh, I was just reading about a tragedy that happened in Saskatchewan. Um, so, I mean, maybe these really are things we need to be talking more about. I know, eh? And you're right. So here we are in Ontario, and it's twice today that uh, people have asked me about, you know, out, out west and what can we do? And it is, it's that conversation, and, and I feel like I, I might know somebody from that community even uh, who, uh, I'm not sure if they're still here in Ontario, but that's where they told me they came from and that was their name. And I started thinking about them so that you see in that circle that we are all related and um, like who's in the room. So when we hear about violence and even lateral violence amongst the circle, uh, it's not a good thing, right? So we need to talk about how we can make it better. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, uh, what's happened is, you know, for um, for the community to heal and for us so so when we talk about the truth and reconciliation and it puts people back to those times uh, when atrocity hits again mm-hmm. like and you wonder why right but only they can say but we have a say about how we wouldn't like that for it to happen and how can I make that difference for it won't happen here in my community so with September 30th only a couple weeks away uh, it will, will there be some uh, events going on here on campus? Oh yes. We um, we ha- we plan to also be talking about this. We have activities that will be happening in the Wasabidasmase Indigenous Center. We will have um, given out on shirts and uh, food of course cuz we share our food and our culture our tools, you know, our shelters, our lives, our stories, yes, our land. That was my conversation with St. Lawrence College knowledge keeper Helena Nevu about Truth and Reconciliation Day coming up on September 30th. And we also talked about Métis artist Tracy May Chambers' hashtag Hope and Healing Canada installation, which will be up in front of St. Lawrence until the end of October. You are listening to Citizen K on CFRC 101.9 FM, cfrc.ca, and on podcast. I'm Kareem Mosna. I spent a lot of time at St. Lawrence College last week. I was there on Thursday for the completion of the hashtag Hope and Healing Canada installation. Then I was back the very next morning for the annual United Way of Kingston, France, and Lennox and Addington's kickoff breakfast. At the Breakfast 2022 campaign chair, Jane LaPointe unveiled this year's goal to raise $3,808,000. I spoke with Jane to find out how these funds will help in the community and about two donation matching programs. Wow, so this is the goal for this year to raise that amount. And I also understand, you know, to help us get there, uh, there are two matching programs. I'd love to hear a little bit more about these matching programs. Sure. We've had a couple of individuals in our community that generally, generously donate these matching programs. The first is the Leadership Challenge Grant. And a leader of the United Way is anybody who donates $1,200 or more during the year. If you're a first-time leader, your donation will be matched 100%. And if you're an existing leader 
any increase you do of 10% or more will also be fully matched. The second challenge grant is the Women United Leadership Challenge, and that's to encourage leaders that are women to donate and join Women United. So uh, Women United, is this a specific group within United Way? Yeah, it is. We sort of have what we call affiliate groups. There's retiree groups, there's workplace groups, and another group that has started to come together over the last four or five years is Women United. And what we find is that women really want to be educated about the issues that are impacting families in Kingston. And we come together typically three times a year. We've got an event next week at the new food distribution warehouse where we'll be learning about food insecurity here in our community. And the Women United group come together to learn about those issues. So for someone who's thinking of making a donation, just a brief overview of where what that donation is going to uh, go towards here sure. in Kingston. Yeah, so donations in Kingston, I always say, are really, really a broad coverage within the community because they impact programs that are helping students youth in our community, uh, seniors, individuals that are unhoused, individuals that need assistance with mental health or addictions issues. There's really a broad spectrum of programming. It crosses all categories. It's our friends, it's our neighbors, and it's our families that are helped. And certainly a very touching uh, speech you referenced this morning about opening our hearts. So I guess that's really the, the what, 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 we're, what we're doing here, right? So. I'd like to think so. You yeah. know, I spend a lot of time thinking about why we do this and why we come together. And it seems that it really just is about local love at the end of the day. We're very fortunate in this community to have such a caring community. And I think that that is proven in the strength and why we have successful United Way campaigns. Great. Thank you very much, Jane. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. Jane LaPointe is the 2022 campaign chair with the United Way of KFLNA. There are 61 partner agencies in 106 different programs with the United Way. One of them is the Seniors Food Box program through Kingston Community Health Centers. I spoke with the recipient of this program, Melanie LaFoot, who also spoke at the kickoff breakfast, about just how important the Seniors Food Box program is. Well, you know, and you certainly described, you know, some of the, the challenges you, you, that you face in terms of uh, just getting the, these essentials. Um, so just tell me how really the difference that having this program has made in your life. Well, at the beginning of the pandemic, when everybody was told to stay at home and with my increased uh, um, health conditions, I was I was told by my medical profession to stay at home and not to go out unless absolutely necessary. And so one of the things is trying to figure out how to get food to my house. And uh, with my chronic pain and uh, trying to get up and down the stairs carrying groceries, and the senior food box came and they started delivering the food to my door, which was just, uh, you know, amazing. And then the fresh fruits uh, and fresh vegetables that were included in it were just a, a godsend because it helps with you know, your health conditions and, and health-wise. So it was just, it was great just having this uh, service provided to us. Excellent, yes. And and uh, what would you, you know, say to somebody who, you know, uh, would consider, you know, was thinking about donating to help meet this, this new target goal that was mentioned today? Yeah. 
Um, well, one of the things is, is I've started making phone calls uh, to the community that uh, that is receiving this. And there's a lot of people, a lot of seniors, a lot of older people who are that have debilitating diseases that have mobility issues that just can't get out and having this service brought to our door is just like it's beyond what you can even think of you know like there's a lot of people that I talk to that normally they just don't get out to the grocery store it's too far for them to go or they and they just have they don't have the transportation to get there and to get the fresh foods and vegetables that they would never ever get and with the in, uh, increased cost of groceries is is just when you're on a limited budget and a limited uh, uh, income like our income has not gone up in, uh, for any kind of pension and so having that kind of increase of of cost just to get fresh foods and vegetables you know, and you're at an age when you really do need, like, the vitamin supplements of, you know, and being a shut-in, you know, it, it, you just, you need that nutrition. Melanie LaFoot telling us about the Seniors Food Box program through Kingston Community Health Centers, which is a partner agency with the United Way. This is Citizen K on CFRC. My name's Kareem Mosna. Thanks for listening. Now, I had hoped to air these last week, but we ran out of time. So we're going to air them this week. These are uh, Queen's University students and even some faculty weighing in on Queen's vaccination policy, which proof of vaccination is not required and masking is optional on campus. Let's hear from students and some faculty and hear their thoughts on the policy. Okay, uh, my name is Augustine. I'm a second year student at Queen's as a history major. Um, the whole vaccine thing, I think we should still have like a mandate going for that because if we don't have the mask, we should at least have like two or three vaccines to kind of keep it a little safer. Um, mask being optional is kind of weird. Like I'd rather be like safe than sorry. So if we could have at least like masks mandatory for like lectures or like not the small tutorials because there's only like 20 of you, but like the big lecture halls, get masks for that would be kind of nice. Even if people complain about it, like the safer the better kind of thing. Great. Uh, thanks for your opinion. Happily. I'm going into my second year of life sciences for specialization. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So just want to get your thoughts. Uh, Queen's University recently announced that proof of vaccination uh, is not required to attend classes and masking is optional. Just how do you feel about that as a student? I'm really grateful for everything to be going back in person. Like it's really nice to have that again, but at the same time, um, if you're still comfortable wearing masks and everything, I don't really... I think everyone to themselves, like, they can do whatever they'd like with their bodies. Yeah. Yeah, my name is Jordy Bender, and as far as I'm concerned, I think they should have proof of vaccination and should wear a mask. Because, like, you don't know whether they've been, you know, like, other countries that might have the problem where there's an outbreak of COVID. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I agree that they should have proof of vaccination and that they should wear a mask when they come back in September. Because I know us here at the bookstore, starting September, they want us to wear a mask, but that's optional up to us. I mean, myself, I'm going to wear, wear one because, like I say, I don't know where these kids are from and 
you know, what the situation is of their countries and stuff, right? That's my personal opinion. And you know what? I mean, hopefully we don't have a problem with that, but you just never know, right? I'm Cheyenne, computer science. So I don't have too much information about these areas. I'm not healthcare professional, so if the healthcare system recommends the face mask and vaccination, I'd say Queens has the right or Queens is okay to follow that guidelines. Else, the same thing. Anything that the healthcare professionals recommend, that would be the best option, I guess. Some thoughts from the Queen's campus community on the vaccination policy. And that's all for Citizen K this week. Citizen K was produced with the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences at Queen's University. CFRC 101.9 FM broadcasts from Kingston, Ontario, on the traditional lands of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples. Thank you for listening. I'm Kareem Mosna.